Welcome to History Books and Wine, where three author friends talk about books and fun historical tidbits, all while raising a glass of vino. We're your hosts, Lori and Bailey, Eliza Knight, and Madeline Martin. So, pour a glass and enjoy the show. Welcome to episode four of the History, Books, and Wine podcast. This is Lori Ann Bailey, and I'm your host for this week. I'm a National Reader's Choice and Holt Medallion Award-winning author who writes Scottish historicals with hot Highland heroes and spunky independent lasses finding their perfect matches in the Scottish Highlands. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram or on my website, lauriannbailey.com. If you've tuned in for the last two weeks, you've heard Eliza Knight and Madeline Martin talk about four of their favorite places in Scotland as they shared historical tidbits and what made those places so special for them. Next week, you will get all three of us for our monthly happy hour. But today, it's my turn to share and I can't wait to talk about the places that have inspired me. Today, I'll be drinking a glass of Josh from Josh Cellars. It's a Cabernet Sauvignon North Coast Reserve. It's a 2015 vintage that bursts with plum and blackberry flavors, layered with smoky vanilla wood, roasted almonds and hazelnuts. Finishing long with fine, firm tannins. A wine that is bold and expressive, but unassuming and approachable. What makes this even better is the man who blended it, Joseph Carr, did so for his father. I love that. I first tried this wine last month when I opened a bottle and paired it with my first book, Highland Deception, to share on the List Lassies. If you haven't heard of the List Lassies, It's something that Madeline Martin, Eliza Knight, and I do on our Facebook pages and blogs. We come up with a list of our favorite things to share with the hopes that it makes your lives easier. To be honest, when I made the picture for my pairing post, it was morning, but I opened the bottle anyway and poured a glass because I needed wine in the shot. Once I was done with my photo shoot. I wrapped it in plastic wrap to enjoy later in the day. And I'm so happy that I didn't toss this wine out because it's amazing. It's a little more expensive than the $10 bottles I normally get, so wasting it wasn't an option. So I'm going to pour a glass and then I'll share some of my favorite places in Scotland. Pour yourself a glass. Sit back and enjoy one too if it's the right time of day for you. If not, I suggest something bubbly, like flavored seltzer water. Ah. Now that I have a lovely glass of red, I'm ready to share some of my favorite places. First up on my list is Eileen Donan Castle. The name Eileen Donan, or Island of Donan, 
probably comes from the 6th century Irish saint, Bishop Donan, who came to Scotland around 580 AD. There are several churches dedicated to him in the area, and it's possible he formed a small community on the island during the late 7th century. Eileen Donan is recognized as one of the most iconic images of Scotland. Situated on an island at the point where three great sea locks meet, it is surrounded by some majestic scenery and has become one of the most visited and important attractions in the Scottish Highlands. When we were there on our visit, there was an impromptu bagpipe player in the parking lot. It was nice, uh, it was nice to have that music in the background. Gave you a real feel for the place and made it lots of fun. Although first inhabited around the 6th century, the first fortified castle was built in the mid-13th century and stood guard over the lands of Kintail. Since then, at least four different versions of the castle have been built and rebuilt as the feudal history of Scotland unfolded through the centuries. The castle was partially destroyed in a Jacobite uprising in 1719, and it lay in ruins for the better part of 200 years. Then, Lieutenant Colonel John McRae Gilstrap bought the island in 1911 and proceeded to restore the castle to its former glory. After 20 years of work, the castle was reopened in 1932. I chose Eileen Donan as stop number one on my must-see list because I have a special connection to it. It's the castle that my publisher put on my first book, Highland Deception. So for me, it was a must-see on my last trip to Scotland. I also have a special story I'll be sharing about it next week on our Happy Hour episode. Time for another sip of wine before I tell you about Stop 2. Hope you are enjoying something right along with me. My Highland Pride series follows Clan Cameron and their friends around the Highlands. So I spend a lot of time writing about the lands around Aknacary. Aknacary is the ancestral seat of the chiefs of Clan Cameron. The Cameron clan is one of the proudest and most romantic clans in all of Scotland. No wonder I chose these majestic Scots for my Highland Pride series. From its beginning in the Middle Ages, the clan's early history is notable for the constant battle for possession of land in Lochaber. The chief of the clan is referred to Cameron of Lochile, and I use that in, um, in book one, Highland Deception, because my, uh, my hero is the Laird, so he is the Cameron of Lochile, and Clan Cameron is known for its staunch support to the Royalist and Jacobite causes. Even down to the point that Archie Cameron, who was Bonnie Prince Charlie's doctor and escaped with him to France after the Jacobite Rebellion. He returned to Scotland, but he was betrayed and at the age of 45, he was executed and became the last man to die for the Jacobite cause. Hey, history lovers, Eliza here. We're interrupting today's happy hour to let you know that Lori and I host another fascinating podcast with our friend, Brenna Ash. Hey there, this is Brenna. 
Crime Feast is a true crime podcast hosted by three friends who are obsessed with all things crime. Each week, join Brenna, Eliza, and I as we serve up a platter of murders, mayhem, missing persons, tragedies, and more. Feast on notorious tales ripped from today's headlines and resurrected from the past. Until then, stay safe out there. We don't want you on the menu next. Now, back to the show. Cheers! Aknakiri Castle remains a private residence, but there is so much to do here on the Bonnie Cameron lands. They do have a holiday house available for rent, which we didn't know until we came upon it, but we stayed at a local bed and breakfast, and I will be talking about it next week on the happy hour. So uh, make sure you tune in for that. My husband and I went to the Cameron Museum while we were there, which is actually very close to the Holiday House. And this is where I purchased the clan map that shows me a partial history of where different clans were located in Scotland. I've used it many times when plotting out a book. I know Eliza has one of these maps as well, so I need to ask her where she got hers because I have that special memory associated with where I got mine. I'm sure she found a cool place to get hers too. There is also hiking, fishing, and skiing at the nearby Ben Nevis, which is the highest peak in all of Scotland. I've spoken about Ben Nevis in several of my books, so pay attention for that because it's in there. So here I'm to the point where I'm going to get to a few words that are very difficult for me to pronounce. And like Madeline said last week, it may do us all some good if we take some Gaelic lessons. So maybe that's something the three of us should consider doing together. Maybe on a trip to Scotland. Hmm. A riding retreat and Gaelic lesson trip. Sounds like we have to do that. Okay, so Loch Arcaig is the nearest loch, which was formed by glaciers. And nearby is the Commando Memorial to commemorate the training grounds used by troops during World War II. As we drove the circle around the lands, we discovered the Ice Kaya Egg, a beautiful two-tier waterfall. They were featured in the movie Rob Roy. And guess what? They also made it into my second book, Highland Redemption. So that research trip was totally worth it. A little further down the road, we came across the Mile Dorka, or the Dark Mile. This is also in Highland Redemption. It's a deeply wooded section of road in a valley flanked by stone walls and trees covered with a thick moss. Loch Archaig's other claim to fame is as the alleged hiding place of a consignment of gold brought by the French to help the Jacobite Rebellion in 1746. This was hidden somewhere near Loch Archaig, and the hiding place is said to have never been found. So... To everybody out there listening, if you know Josh Gates from Expedition Unknown, which is one of my favorite shows, please tell him to call me and maybe we can set up a treasure hunting excursion with the Cameron permission, of course. And to my husband, I love you if you're listening. 
I love you all the time, whether you're listening or not. And you're always tops in my heart. But I have to say that Josh's wit and exuberance for all things historical make him quite attractive. If you haven't seen Expedition Unknown, check it out. All right then, time for another sip of wine. And then we'll be on to stop number three, Caldor Castle. Not far from the Culloden Battlefields, which Eliza Knight told us about in episode two of the podcast, lies Caldor Castle. Oh, and before I get into Caldor Castle, I have to say it was either this day or the day after that we came across these really great road signs. And I will try to post pictures of them on Instagram and Facebook this week. So I took lots of pictures of road signs because they were really cool over there. The ones that we saw around this area, one of them said Weak Bridge, which gave me a lot of confidence as we were driving out there. And the other one said Watch for Otters, which I found very amusing. So that one I had to get a picture of because when do you ever see a Watch for Otters sign? So back to Caldar Castle. This was a last minute addition on my most recent trip. And I'm so happy we didn't pass it by. Caldor Castle dates from the late 14th century and was built as a private residence by the Thanes of Caldor. It was constructed around a legendary tree whose skeleton still remains on the ground floor. The tale goes that the Thane of Caldor who had a small castle nearby, desired to build a new, stronger tower. Following directions he received in a dream, he loaded gold onto the back of a donkey and set it loose. Okay, so here I have to stop and say, how many of you are following directions that you've received in a dream? Kind of funny. And pretty brave of him, I think. When the animal rested that night, it was beneath the boughs of a tree, which is currently believed to be that of a holly, one of the seven sacred trees of the Celtic grove. Now, I wasn't sure what a Celtic grove was, so I looked it up and found this information. It's any grove or group of trees that are of special religious importance to a particular culture, and it seems they are found in many different cultures. Well, turns out, Caldor Castle was built on this spot. Shakespeare mentions the Thane of Caldor in the story of Macbeth. Here's a small quote from the play. This castle hath a pleasant seat. The air nimbly and sweetly recommends itself unto our gentle senses. In actuality, although often associated with Caldor Castle, the murder of Duncan takes place in Inverness Castle. And I just have to add here that in my genealogy research, I have discovered that I am a descendant of the real King Duncan, who inspired King Duncan from the Shakespeare play. So yes, I am a princess. But the truth is, Caldor Castle wasn't built until the late 14th century, making it impossible to be the actual castle from the famed story. But this led to a quote from the fifth Earl of Caldor. I wish the bard had never written his damned play. This castle has three other features that blew me away. The first floor tower room was originally the only entrance to the castle, and access was given to it by wooden steps which could be removed, so forced entry meant breaching very thick walls or scaling the battlements. 
Also, once inside, there was a trap door which could be used to snare unwanted guests and drop them into a hidden dungeon. So make sure you send word that you're coming before you go. Although a good portion of the home is still furnished and part used as a residence, I was quite impressed that on the bottom floor, there was a full kitchen that operated between 1640 and 1938. It was quite impressive. I also loved the gardens at this castle. They were complete with a small maze and a statue of a minotaur. I found the gardens here to be different from the other castles we visited because they were more compact and felt like a secret garden where you could go and curl up with a book and read all day versus strolling endlessly, which you could at a lot of the amazing gardens in Scotland. Sigh, it was quite lovely. There is also a gurgling dark creek that runs behind the castle. And I remember someone telling us a story about coffee or tea regarding the legends surrounding it. And now I can't remember the tale and believe it or not, can't find it on the web. So I guess that means I have to talk my husband into taking me back. And I'm going to drink to that. And my fourth stop today are the ruins of Hollywood Abbey. The old abbey is nestled next to Hollywood Palace, which is the Queen's royal residence when she's in Scotland. It's also at the bottom of the Miracle Mile, just down the hill from Edinburgh Castle. We didn't make it to Edinburgh on my last trip to Scotland because most of our trip was just in the Highlands, but we saw the Abbey ruins on my first trip, 18 years ago. And the beauty and the awe of this place has always remained in my heart. So much so that I wrote it into a book and you'll hear about that in a few minutes. As with Cawdor Castle, this place has a legend associated with it and the Scottish kings of old. The legend goes that in 1127, while King David was hunting in the forest to the east of Edinburgh during the Feast of the Cross, his horse was startled by a heart and he was thrown. For anyone who doesn't know, a heart is an adult male deer. One version of the story says he was saved from the charging animal when a miraculous light resembling a crucifix appeared between the king and the beast's antlers. As an act of thanksgiving for his escape, King David founded Hollywood Abbey on the very spot in 1128. In 1326, Robert the Bruce held parliament here, and there is evidence that Hollywood was being used as a royal residence by 1329. I also have to throw in here that Robert the Bruce was my 21st great-grandfather. So yes, here again, I am a princess. And I think we should drink to that. Continuing on, from its inception until the early 16th century, the monarchy and parliament used the abbey for meetings. And James II of Scotland was born, crowned, and married within its walls. Over its history, the abbey was destroyed and desecrated, then repaired several times. But on the 2nd of December in 1768, the roof collapsed, leaving the abbey as it currently stands and the way I saw it 18 years ago, a beautiful roofless ruin. And since the ruins of Hollywood Abbey 
was the last stop on my tour today, and each week we are sharing one of our own books, I'm going to mention Highland Temptation, book three in my Highland Pride series. But this book can stand alone and they don't have to be read in order. This novel takes place mostly in Edinburgh, and my heroine, Kirsty, wanders through the ruins during her time there. And here's what Highland Temptation is about. Alan McKenzie can't believe it when his Laird's sister takes on some foolhardy mission to get close to every male in a rival clan in hopes of uncovering who's behind the plot to kill her brothers. He may not be good enough for Kirsty, but he'll be damned if anyone else touches her. But he's undercover as well, and one false move could betray them both. Kirsty Cameron's brothers are in danger. And if she has to flirt with the enemy to save them, she will. But her plans are hindered when the annoyingly handsome Alan McKenzie refuses to leave her alone. He broke her heart years ago, and now he's working with the other side. She'll never forgive him if he ruins her plans, but she can't deny the attraction between them. He can't stay away. She can't push him away and the temptation could get them all killed. And here is a short passage from where Kirsty wanders around the Abbey ruins, just as I did that day almost 18 years ago. Kirsty's feet had carried her to an old abbey whose outbuildings lay peacefully moldering in the late afternoon sun. They were deserted, but not eerie, just sad. It had been such a beautiful place, so innocent and strong at one point, but the walls had crumbled and left a shell of what it had once been. The temple had been built to hold the hearts of its Catholic worshipers, just like she had set herself up to be the keeper of Alan's heart, the protector of his soul, and the person he would come home to at night. She would always be like this beautiful, almost deserted and betrayed place. Now, the Presbyterians met here occasionally, but for the most part, this beautiful church had been abandoned. She was just like this forsaken place. Despite the distance she had put between her and Alan, there had been no way to outrun the desolation that had been left by his rejection. She'd heard stones of the cloisters had been ripped down and were used to add onto the castle high on the hill. The roof of the nave was still intact, and the beautiful arched windows and doors inspired awe. But it felt like a cold, empty tomb. Had Alan found someone else and given that lucky lass the pieces of his heart, the ones she had so desperately wanted? Her feet felt heavy as she climbed the hill back to the castle. Dread filled every step as she planned out the evening ahead determined to make progress on her quest. All right, so that was from Highland Temptation, the third book in my Highland Pride series. If that sounds appealing to you, I have the links for it in the show notes. Now it's time to share what I've been reading. This week I read Again the Magic by Lisa Kleypas. Here's a short description. She gave him her innocence. Lady Aileen Marsden was brought up to marry a man of her own class, but from the moment she meets John McKenna, she risks everything to be with him. He gave her his heart, 
Although their love is forbidden, McKenna's passion for the beautiful Aileen is too compelling to deny. When their secret is discovered, their world is shattered. McKenna is forced to leave forever. Unaware, the only reason Aileen has given him up is to save him. Now, McKenna has returned, a powerful man, determined to take revenge against the woman who broke his heart. But the magic between them burns as fiercely as ever, and as McKenna uncovers Aileen's deepest secret, together they discover a love that will defy fate itself. So, I did find a couple of tiny, tiny, tiny parts of this book frustrating, but not enough to deter from the story of this amazing second chance romance. I cried several times and overall thoroughly enjoyed this one by Lisa Kleypas. I do recommend it. Oh, and also, it has a secondary love story hidden within, so definitely give it a try. I'm also going to include the links for this book in the show notes. And now I have a question for you guys. What place or period in history are you dying to know more about? Email us at historybooksandwine at gmail.com. Who knows? Maybe we'll discuss it on a future podcast. Our website is historybooksandwine.buzzsprout.com, where we will have the show notes for today's episode. They can also be found on iTunes along with our podcast. History Books and Wine can also be found on Spotify. And if you say, Alexa, play History Books and Wine podcast, she will play the most recent episode. If you like what you heard today, please leave us a review. And remember, you can always send us questions at historybooksandwine at gmail.com. I hope you enjoyed hearing about some of my favorite places in Scotland. Please join us next week, March 14th, for our monthly happy hour. Madeline Martin, Eliza Knight, and I will be counting down our top five most memorable moments or things that impressed us most on our trips to Scotland. Then we will reveal our topics for the next month. There will be history, great stories, laughs, and of course, wine. Thank you so much for tuning in and have a great week.